It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party, only on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome in everybody to the Atlanta Football Party, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere else. I'm your host, Tanisha Batiste, and here with me are Jarvis Davis, Aaron Freeman, and Tori McElhaney. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to, but faster. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And of course, this Atlanta football party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And for the second week in a row, guys, not having a party at all because the Falcons had their chances to get a dub twice. Last Sunday, rookie QB, well, basically down the dirty birds. And just yesterday, it was this guy, random guy, who was teaching his O-line his cadence minutes before the game started and was so feverishly trying to get everything together that it rendered his coach as hoarse as I am right now from trying to teach him to get ready for this game. So it's now another come to Jesus moment as we break down the Falcons 31 to 28 loss to the Vikings on Sunday with our top three takeaways. Jarvis, I know from yesterday's postcast that you felt some type of way. We're almost 24 hours later and interested to see how you're feeling. But one of the thoughts you had was this Falcons seem to be traveling down the road. You say Arthur Smith doesn't really want him to go down. Yeah. It, because like, look, Looking at the press conference um, after the game, it just kind of seems like he was defeated. You know, he was very open about his thoughts and visions for play callings and, and sequence of plays and why he called this. And we know Arthur Smith, in his confident stage, he's like, ah, you know, like, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, a lot of variables. You know, he's very kind of close to the vest when it comes to, you know, talking about those things. And, and I feel like right now, you know, if you if you're in a space where you're you feeling like that that uh, feeling defeated, and you feel like you don't have any answers, and that's the type of feeling that I got back in 2020 when when uh, Dan Quinn went down or or I got fired because the team just looked like they just didn't have a clue, and it's just so many questions that you had as far as from what the product was, and the product was just bad because. I kind of I was uh, having a conversation with one of the Atlanta media folks, uh, you know, a friend of the show, uh, and I was just saying how, you know, she brought up how sometimes Arthur Smith talking about you know people fantasy football and all that stuff, right? And sometimes you know her her football knowledge wasn't like what she felt it like it should be, you know, to be able to ask certain questions. I was like, well, at the end of the day, I'm not a chef, but I know what tastes bad. And I know what we've been seeing on Sundays. It's been bad. It's it's been bad. I, I, because at the end of the day, I don't care how it's made. I I don't care what the preparation that goes into that, the food that I like to eat. But doggone it, it better taste good when I see it. And what we've been seeing on Sundays, it just hasn't been good. And I don't think that who would, who would have thought that eight 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 um nine games into the season that people are talking about firing Arthur Smith. Like, people are literally saying those words, uttering those words, saying, you know what? 
it's time to let it's time for Arthur Smith to go. Like that's where we are right now. And I don't think that he wants to be in a situation where game by game, oh, okay, is it gonna happen this time? Or where are the reports now? And I think that for for him, he needs to get this thing figured out because you don't want to travel down this road of, all right, when is it gonna happen? Or when when is the hammer coming down? Or is 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 Terry Fontenot gonna be held responsible too? Or or looking at the talent on this roster, like now we're trying to figure out like who to blame from an organizational standpoint. So you don't want to go down that road right now as as the head coach of this team. Yeah, and that's a tough one because honestly, that's not a conversation I think any of us thought we were going to have at any point during the season because so many good moves really were made in the offseason, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We saw situations where Arthur Smith would say it about Desmond Ritter, but I'm going to say it about Arthur Smith where you make a mistake one time, but you wouldn't see that same mistake made twice, right? Whether it was play calling or uh, utilization of players, however, whatever the case may be. And now it's just, I don't know. It, I, I think that there might be a little something to what you're saying because there is a level of kind of, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say head scratching for lack of a better term right now, what's going on. But Tori, the one place I think there may be, there have been finger point, there's been finger pointing and there's been head scratching, but maybe it's not warranted this time. Might be with Taylor Heineke because you can't really lay the blame at his feet from yesterday, 21 of 38, 268 yards and a touchdown, just one interception. I think to your point, we now know earlier than we did last week, hey, Falcons are going to go ahead and stick with their guy at least for this game coming up against the Cardinals. And you feel like at, if we don't know anything else that might be right moves at this point, we know that might be the right move. Yeah. So we talked to Arthur Smith today, this morning, um, or I guess this afternoon on Monday, and he came right out when asked about the quarterback situation and said, we're going to stick with Taylor Heineke through the bye week. And again, he said, this is in the short term. We'll reassess the quarterback position coming out of the bye week. And he said, you know, certainly I, I don't want this to be a week-to-week thing that we're having to have this conversation about the quarterback. So I imagine just in my own head that coming out of the bye week, they'll say this is who we're going to stick with for the remainder of the year, barring injury or anything crazy. So that's kind of where the situation stands as is. And I think honestly that at this point, as much as we are talking about the quarterback situation over the last gosh, probably month, month and a half at this point. Yeah. I mean, we've been it's, it's been a topic of conversation with all of us and with the Falcons fan base as a whole for a long time now. But at this point in time, after this loss to the Vikings, to me, the conversation isn't about the quarterback anymore. Um, I, I think this, this has evolved beyond that. And, you know, I think it's a piece of it. But the main offensive issues that this team has shown – from one week to the next persisted regardless of who was under center. And, and I think that's kind of where you, you have to look at how they move forward. And, and that's, that's just where I, I feel like there are things to be gleaned from the quarterback quarterback conversation, but it, it's not the only thing that we should be talking about. And it's not, honestly, it was funny because after the game, it's like, we're talking about so many other things, missed opportunities and the turnovers and not capitalizing on turnovers that, when I looked at kind of my list of, of themes of the game, quarterback was really far down on the list. Uh, so so for me, moving forward, it's like, yes, quarterback is going to be a, a topic of conversation. But if, if you go out and you come out after the bye week and you have this long-term decision, 
and you're, you're like, we're riding with Taylor Heineke or we're riding with Desmond Ritter until the end of the year, then that's what it is. And you move forward and you try and fix what you can. Yeah, I would agree. And it's interesting, Tori, because I love the way you put that. In weeks past, this was the topic of conversation to the point where we had to figure out how, you know, we, we had so many different angles that in our three segments, we were finding different ways to talk about it. But yeah, we are at the point in place where that is not, I don't even know, Tori, honestly, after we saw what we saw yesterday, if it's even the top three topics of conversation, if you will, at this point, there's so many other things that we have to take into consideration. Another one, Aaron, that we didn't think we'd be talking about or shaking our heads or scratching our heads about was the defense, right? And I think you started off with our pre-brief conversation saying, hey, there are no words, except maybe for the defense, because now, and granted, we do take into consideration uh, some of the, I'll say, dust-ups yesterday and some near-season-ending um, issues that that almost cropped up yesterday. And, of course, we have the season-ending issue with Grady Jarrett. But, honestly, if you take all that away, I think you would still maybe say in the last two, maybe if not three weeks, that it does make you still scratch your head like, hmm, is it the defense? Like, is this the defense we really thought it was going to be now versus where we were when – we uh, kicked off the off season in training camp. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to heap too much uh, blame or criticism on the defense, just because sure. when you compare it to what we've been talking about all year long with the offense, like the defense has gone out there, you know, in seven out of their nine games and played really well. And so it's just like, yeah, like they, they get the benefit of the doubt that we don't necessarily give the offense, but we've seen the last couple of weeks, you know, with the Tennessee game and this week, you know, I think 59 points given up over the last two games, a lot of explosive plays. You saw a lot of the poor tackling that led to Josh Dobbs ability to really make a lot of plays with his legs, especially in the second half. Um, And it just feels like, you know, that high that we were riding on for, you know, the better part of seven weeks going into the season with the defense consistently showing up, consistently getting stops. Um, You know, we're, we're coming back down to earth a little bit these last couple of games against offenses that you wouldn't necessarily think would be able to have the success that they've had um, given, you know, their concerns at the quarterback position with Will Levitt, Jaron Hall and, and, and Josh Dobbs. And that was one of the things that looking at this season in the schedule, you were like, Oh, the, with Aaron Rodgers basically out for the season, like the Falcons don't have to really worry about any sort of high level quarterbacks uh, that can really do a lot of damage and, and this defense should be able to hold up for the entirety of the season. And now with some of the struggles they've had the last couple of weeks, you know, you are a little bit worried uh, uh, about what's coming up with potentially Kyler Murray making his start next week. And then, you know, Derek Carr's, I, you know, I would say maybe I'm biased, but would be mostly a disaster in new Orleans, but like he's played good enough that you would think if, if Bill Levis and, and, and Josh Dobbs can do this, and Josh Dobbs not practicing can do what he did. Um, you know, all those guys look like they can do some damage, and so you you wonder a little bit about this defense. Is the defense, which hasn't been a concern for pretty much the entirety of this year uh, until the last couple of weeks, are we going to have to start talking more about this defense not necessarily holding up their end of the bargain? Yeah, especially as you start to look around the corner and up the way to New Orleans. Of course, I'm in Louisiana right now. That's why I say it that way. But uh, you look at them and their defense is turning into the bend, don't break version of the Falcons defense as they now sit atop the NFC South. And low key, slowly but surely, it may not be Derek Carr, maybe the guys around him, but they're doing just enough on offense 
to get the success. And they're starting to kind of trend up um, in a weird way. And of course, we're going to talk about a little bit more when we go into the deep dive, guys. But first and foremost, I'd like to tell you guys before we go there about this great resource for top talent that is called LinkedIn. So now when you think about LinkedIn, every new potential hire can feel like it's a high stakes wager if you're a small business and you're trying to hire that person, right? Well, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Now, I can recall, you know, back in the day, looking at a position on LinkedIn Jobs, for example, and inquiring about it with a contact I had, landing that job starting within two weeks. And that's the kind of thing that's a win for the employee, but also for the employer, because at the end of the day, everyone wants to quickly find the best talent out there. So add your job, add the verbal hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, guys, let's take a little bit more of a deep dive into yesterday's game. Now, Jarvis, before the Vikings game, all the fingers pointed at Desmond Ritter as a reason for the Falcons' offensive woes. He was benched in favor of Taylor Heineke, but the Falcons still lost. And like Tori told us earlier, being up at Flowery Branch today, there's confirmation already that Heineke will indeed be a go next week. So can't really put the blame on him. He can't get most of the blame now at this point. But Jarvis, when you look at last week, this week, and dare I say uh, yesterday and last week as well, where does that blame, most of that blame squarely lie? Do you feel like it's a position group that's really not holding its weight? Do you feel like it's more of how the coaching staff is scheming for the opponent? Kind of where does most of this blame lie, especially as this team tries to reset and figure out how to get ready for the Cardinals next week? I have mental mistakes. Um, I, I dropped a video on, on Twitter or formerly yeah. known as X, whatever you want to call it. And just kind of, it kind of gives you a depiction of just how things are just off. Like there was a, this, on, on the video, it showed that Byron Murphy, was, it was a cornerback blitz and the fire blitz coming off the edge and Fisk and Cordell Patterson were right there. There was a slide protection. You saw them right there. They came. They came up and presented themselves as if they saw Byron Murphy right there to get ready to block him. Right, but for some strange reason, Cordell Patterson kind of kind of drifted off and trying to peel back on and try to help out when it wasn't a necessary threat right there. And then Fisk just 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 got lost, and 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 Murphy ended up, you know, uh, putting pressure on Taylor Heineke and forced him to step up in the pocket. Now, granted. Heineke still made the throw and still made a really good throw and, and threw where the, where, the, where the cornerback came from. But it just goes to show you, like, they're just mental stuff, mental things that just happen throughout this game on, on particular play, regardless of the result. That's just, it's just unexplainable. And, and two, the, the, the two penalties for Clear Lindstrom, just going back and looking at it, just like, what are you thinking? This particular situation, and like, at, at the worst – possible time that you could do it too when you're on the goal line the one yard line after a turnover or when you're trying to drive down the field and it's just a drive killer and those things that and then on the defensive side of football now granted i'm like aaron I, i'm not putting no, any blame on those guys but 
just the missed tackles from the beginning of the game, just throughout the entire game, it's just like, yeah, you're going to miss some tackles, but, man, y'all are picking the worst time to actually do it. So I'm putting the blame on everybody. I'm talking about from the head all the way down, from the play calling. Uh, 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 like, I'm still flabbergasted as to how you call a jet sweep with John U. Smith on the one-yard line. It just don't make any sense to me. And your, be- and your best tight end, who, who at least what you told me he is, like he don't use him like it sometimes, he's blocking Daniil Hunter. I, like, tell, tell me how you, that's putting your, your players in the best position to succeed. To, to see. Because people are going to question John o. Smith getting a jet sweep. Because those are the type of plays that you normally give guys there are playmakers that can make it necessary play to be able to get into the end zone or get the first down or whatever you're trying to do on that, in that particular situation. So, yeah, I'm putting the blame on everybody. Uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't go to the one on one position group, but it just seemed like the mental mistakes that these these guys have been making in, throughout these games had just been horrible timing. Horrible timing. Like it's not like I'm asking them to play perfect. Those aren't my expectations. But it just seems like when they do make mistakes, it is just costly. And Aaron, when you look at that, where do you kind of see the blame? Or even I'll and I'll kind of pull out that word, but maybe say, you know, where's the disconnect coming from? Like, do you see any connection points of disconnect? And that can be on either side or both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of echo what Jarvis was just saying. It, it goes back to last week where against the Titans, the, the Falcons lost in all three phases. And while I, I won't say that they lost in all three phases against Minnesota, because I, I thought special teams did their job, it, it didn't feel like the Falcons won in in any particular phase. They did good things, but it just felt like Minnesota was able to match them or exceed them in a lot of ways. And last week we were talking about how field position kind of killed them in, in certain drives in the second quarter against the Titans. And they got some very favorable field position in this game on a couple of turnovers and the offense went backwards both times. They lost yards on those drives and were had, had to settle for field goals. And, and so, you know, when you're, you're sitting here week to week being like, okay, you get these opportunities you know, and, and last week you didn't get the opportunities or you kept shooting yourselves in the foot. And it felt like, again, this week, even though you were, you know, given some of these opportunities, you kept shooting yourself in the foot. Right. And you had the two turnovers on back to back plays in the third quarter, which I think was sort of the turning point for the game that really got Minnesota back into this game. Um, and it just feels like when you're trying to figure out, okay, who's the blame for that? Like, you know, ultimately it's going to come down to the, the, you know, the head coach and and he's the, ultimately the guy to, to be responsible for that. Even if he can't necessarily control B. John Robinson uh, holding onto the football, he can't control Taylor Heineke, as he said in his own words after the game threw five yards behind the receiver, but ultimately is the head coach's responsibility to, to get these things right and to eliminate these mistakes um, and, and that's to me where I feel like, you know, where a lot of the, the conversation surrounding Arthur Smith that Jarvis was alluding to, where it's like it, it feels like he's been out coached the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the whole point of this season, I feel like was like, you know, we don't know if the Falcons have a quarterback, but we believe that this team is a well-coached football team and they just haven't looked that way at this point in the season. And that to me needs to be the biggest thing that needs to change. You know, we'll, we'll figure out the quarterback later at at some point, but at the very least, you got to look like a team that's ready to play each and every Sunday. And they haven't looked that way, uh, especially on Sunday. 
And Tori, when you kind of look, take that kind of big picture look, especially midway through the season, kind of where do you see that biggest reset? Does it need to be with a position group, a particular player, or is that a reset that starts with the coaching staff? I think it's a reset with, with everybody. And and I'll say this, I go back to something that Calais Campbell said in the locker room after the game. Yeah. He was like, we need to get back to the basics. We need to play sound football. And, and I think that's something that I wrote in my notebook today was that the six pillars, if you will, of football is passing, running, tackling, blocking, scoring. I mean, or that I guess that's five. But like these are the things that, you know, are the fundamentals of the game. Seven year olds are out there every single Friday playing peewee football, doing these things. I, I understand that the game itself, as the years go by and as players get smarter and faster and stronger and bigger that the game evolves and and every you know every moment in a game is its own entity i understand all of that but to in in that it's a strategic based game but the, i do think that there is something to be said that simplicity can be a strategy too and and i i would really like to see this team get back to the basics uh, basics of who they are at their core i i think something that you saw you know, th this defense, they, they talk about attack and aggressive, attack and aggressive. Like those are their monikers. Like that's that's what they want to be known for. Um, do I think that they've been aggressive and in, in, in recent games? Absolutely. But I, I think you need to see, you know, safety in that aggression, too. And, and when you attack, making sure that there are avenues in place for to make sure that someone like Josh Dobbs doesn't leak out for 22 yards um, for, for a game changing play, game altering play. And, and, and then even going to that very, very last drive for the Falcons, where they are just pounding the ball on the ground with Tyler Algier, just angry running over people, angrily running over people. It, it, that's who we saw what the Falcons were in, in 2022. And I know it's a completely different offense, a completely different team, but at, at some point just line up good versus good and have them go at it. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I think the Falcons have so many weapons that on paper, if you look at it, you feel really good about the matchups that you have. So, yeah. so simplicity, I think can, can go a long way here. And, and sometimes I think, when things get too convoluted and you're, you're trying too many different things that it, it puts more pressure on yourself when all you need to do is just get that one yard to get in the end zone. Yeah. And I think too, uh, and Darcy, I know you wanted to chime in as well, but yeah, it made me think of something and I'm paraphrasing here, but it made me think of something that Calais Campbell said, which is we've just got to go out and win one game. And it may sound very basic, but I think Tori's onto something there. Maybe you just go back to being exactly who you are and executing on that. So keep it clean. For example, notes, you know, minimize the turnovers and cause turnovers and then capitalize on said turnovers. And I think that's basically where Calais Campbell was going. That thing that you do individually or that thing that you do collectively as a position group or that thing that you do great as a coaching staff, just do it and then just stack it. Stack it, stack it until that ends up being one and zero against the Cardinals next week, Jarvis. Yeah, I was just going to add to what you know, just kind of you know, add what Tori said because when you think about that last scoring drive for the Falcons, yeah, that's what we saw. Like outside of the big, big, um, big time throw to uh, Van Jefferson, the big gain, and then a, a, a scramble by, uh, by uh, Taylor Heineke. That was what eleven straight runs. Yep. Like, 
Like, and how many times did we see that last year? Remember, and it worked. Yeah, and most of them to the right side of the offensive line, where all your where the money resides, where the money resides. So I, I think that getting back to the basics is 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 a great solution to all the issues that the Falcons have been faced with these past couple of weeks. And, and I think that Arthur Smith is is going to have to take time to on how they do how they tap into that last drive, because I feel like that was probably the, the best drive we've seen, uh, you know, it, it, for the entire season. Cause that's, that was, that was a statement right there. And, and it should have been the game winning drive. And it may be one of those things where, although you hate that they lost, hopefully maybe they'll look back and say, Hey, that's who we are. That's our signature. Just re, you know, replay that in your head a couple times and then just put that on repeat. So we'll talk a little bit more about what it looks like with who got next because we know that the Falcons are going to have to reset for their next battle against the Arizona Cardinals. But before we do that, Jarvis wants to tell you guys a little bit about FanDuel and give you some intel on subtext. Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for subtext. No, not subtext. FanDuel. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Jarvis Davis here for FanDuel. I want to let you know that FanDuel is the number one sports book in America, guys. If you've been... If you haven't joined on FanDuel, excuse me, you need to get on there right now because it's the number one sports book in America right now. That's $150, excuse me. So, yes, $150 in bonus bets when you with any winning $5 money bet. $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super safe. It's easy to use. You don't have to worry about anybody getting your information and all that stuff, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff floating around on the Internet around there. You know, those, that's what you need. And if you if you are wondering what you can do with those, with those bonus bets, they have a wide range, of bank, wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel, and kick off the NFL season because we're halfway through and you still haven't joined yet. So, yeah, go to the website right now, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn because it is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. Also, guys, I want to tell you really quickly about the Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. What is a Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider, Jarvis? I need you to go to joinsubtech.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta, and you're going to be able to get access to myself, whether it be during the games. We can text back and forth. I'm going to be giving my thoughts. Also, I got the all 22 breakdowns. I got a couple of videos that I've already got out there just to give you a sample of what it actually you're going to be able to get to. And you're going to be the only person to have access to it. So become a Locked On Sports Atlanta insider today. And make sure, guys, you go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. That's joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta and become a Locked On Sports Atlanta insider today. All right, guys. I promise we'll end rapid fire on a positive and a fun note that's going to be powered by a cool tweet that we got from our guy, our girl, Tori. But first things first, I want to ask you guys, be real with me on this one, Tori. So I'm going to ask you to start us off on point one and point two of rapid fire. Hit or miss? So this we're trying a little something different here, right? And for hit, that would be your player, your guy, who you thought, hey, 
He did his job yesterday. He was a hit. The guy who was a miss, he ain't it. He wasn't it yesterday, but you want him to be it next week. Who's your hit? Who's your miss? Oh, gosh. That's hard on the spot. Um, <laughs> I thought a hit was Arnold Abiquetti. I, I liked what I saw from him. I know we're talking about, you know, quarterback leaking out, but I thought when AK was in, he did some good things, not just the the strip sack that we saw Lorenzo Carter pick up and, and return to the one-yard line, but I thought he was a hit for me. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what he does moving forward. Uh, I, I think a, a, a miss for me – I go back and forth on this because I, I don't I don't want to be like because I'd never know what guys are being asked to do. Um, but but I will say it's not necessarily one person, but I, I do want to see a little bit more from the secondary. We've seen yeah. we've talked about these last couple of weeks, how some of these explosive plays are happening. And I, I know that's something that Jesse Bates talked about in the locker room in Nashville. Like we have to limit those. And I, I know I said last week, like this is a t- this is a secondary that has played really, really well. And and I, I want to kind of see them get back to being being a, a dominant group that that doesn't give up these these explosives. Yeah, and I gotta agree with you. You guys know I'm gonna always co-sign on anything that has AK in a hit because I absolutely love Arnold Evacati and I'm still hoping to see him continue to trend up. But I agree with you. And we know D Alfred, he kind of left the game with the ankle injury. Richie Grant had the kind of close call with the concussion. But ultimately speaking, I agree, Tori. I think that secondary just has to find a way to just show up and ball out like we saw in some of those earlier weeks of the season. How about you, Aaron? Hit or miss from yesterday? Uh, my hit is John O. Smith. He got the, the big explosive in the game. He's consistently been – you know, the guy that when you get the ball into his hand, he can do some things after the catch. We saw, you know, CP be that kind of guy for the Falcons in 2021. And he's been that guy uh, this year. My miss is the other guy that I feel like when you get the ball into his hands, he can do a lot of things, but he didn't do it on Sunday. And it hurts me. Jarvis knows how devastating I am. Bijan was a miss. Um, he, he wasn't particularly effective running the football. He had the fumble. That was kind of the game changing play. Um, it was a it was a rough day for Bijan, and we need to get Bijan back to being Bijan, uh, Mister Walk on Water, Mister Turn Water into Wine, all that stuff, and more. And he he he, you know, the wine was sour. Uh, blue magic, Sunday. man. I need to see some blue magic. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> right. How about you, Jarvis? You're hitting this from uh, Sunday's game. How about this? Uh, how about the trade uh, trade deadline edition? Kentavious Street. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. what I saw from him. Oh. That was a hit for me. That was a, a hit for me, and, and he was a, and for them to immediately insert him into the lineup, I was like, okay, he was a starter. Like he was getting Grady Jarrett um, snaps. So for 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 him to come in and play the way he did, I thought I thought it was that was absolutely solid. And you know, hopefully he can continue to you know play 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 that way. You know, going forward because you know you got to put a little feather in the cap for for Terry Fontenot for bringing in somebody who's coming in, came in and contributed right away. As far as a miss goes, and Aaron, you know, I think you might have an idea where, where I'm going with this. Uh, Mr. Bates, sir. Uh, oh, God. Mr. Third. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, he had one breakup. That was cool. All good. But, yeah, I, like, I, the only reason I'm saying it's a miss because I've seen him hit. Like yeah. early on in the season. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, he started the, off the, like the interceptions. It just started yeah. off on a on a wildfire and it kind of speaks to what Torres said like yeah they were looking really good to start the season but I think you know Jesse it starts with Jesse Bates because he's the guy he's the guy he, you know he's the guy that you know everybody that you can point to and say 
hey, he's, this is the guy we're supposed to be looking out for, uh, opposing offense is supposed to look out for coming into games when they're doing preparations and, and game planning and stuff like that. So for him to kind of just be pop up every now and then during games, no, nah, man, I need you to. I need you to pop, like, consistently. And I feel like you just haven't seen that. Yeah, we need magical Bijan, and we need no more pedestrian Jesse Bates III if the Falcons are going to get back in the win column. Tori, wrap us up with this. I want to read your quote from a tweet a little while ago. The info you need regarding Arthur Smith's mustache said he was awake at 3.45 a.m., couldn't sleep, so he shaved it. So maybe it'll be cleansing, but the all he already feels like it has to come back soon. And you quoted him to say, I miss it already, but... What is it, whether it's the mustache or something else, that's going to help these Falcons get their mojo back? You know, you hope it's the mustache because that thing has been a topic of conversation for months now. So, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe we'll be talking in a week from today being like, it's a good thing the mustache is gone. Uh, I'm, it's almost being treated like, you know, when you sage a room, like that's kind of how this feels. Like <laughs> instead of staging the room, you're shaving the mustache. Uh, yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know what needs to happen, but something needs to happen. And if it's the mustache, it's the mustache. I will say when he walked into the press conference room, it was kind of like a jump scare for me. I didn't know who was walking in the room at the time. Um, but but we'll see how how this uh, mustache gate continues as the season goes on. Because he said, he's like, I, I think I need it to come back already. So there's that. Indy, well, you know, the Falcons are like Stella. They need to get their groove back. So on that note, guys, we appreciate yes. you stopping by the Atlanta football party to talk Falcons. It's the best Falcons talk you're going to get from this crew. And don't forget tomorrow, stop by the Atlanta football party where it's going to be all dogs talk all the time. See you then. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 